Welcome to At the Table with Darlene. I am going to minister this morning on something that I did in 2012, but it keeps coming back to me in the last few weeks, and so I felt like it was time to minister it again. Pastor and I, you know, we try not to re-preach. We're not like evangelists where you can go in and you can just keep uh, uh, preaching the same messages, but sometimes we will pull a message out. It'll be like, my goodness, that's good. It preaches to me, so we'll stick another title on it and take a a little bit of this out of it and and build another one. You know, we've been known to do that through the years because the Word, there's nothing new under the sun, and the Word is always, always good. But anyway, this has just been coming back to me. And so when he asked me to preach, there was something else that was coming back to me, and I was going to preach that. But uh, anyway, God hid that from me, and this is where we're at. And so uh, why I love the house of God. And after listening to everything that's went on today and listening to Miss Sarah and seeing where we're at right now, I believe that God wants us all to fall in love with his house all over again. But uh, And this was... Uh, if my uh, grandson, Corey, is listening, uh, he will remember the conversation. He had been at our house, and, and we had just been talking about the goodness of God. You know, he was asking me questions and talk. Corey and I have some real deep, special times of talking about God together. And uh, he, I began to share with him why I love the house of God. I began to tell him, and, and it was amazing as I talked, I absolutely sat there and I wept as I was telling him about my feelings. I didn't know that my feelings ran so deep about the house of God. I knew I loved, you know, I was glad when they told me that it was Sunday, just like Lou always says, that's one of his favorite, his favorite day of the week is Sunday because he loves going to the house of God. But I was uh, shocked at my own uh, depth of my own passion for the house of God. And so I began to talk to him about my young age and things that I remembered. And when I was a young child, I just had such a hunger for the house and love of God. It happened when I was young. You know, I can't really tell you when I got saved. I really don't know. I just know that I had a passion, a burning for God at a very young age. So I've never questioned being saved because I just knew that I received Jesus and Jesus received me. It was real simple. If you ask me how, you know, salvation is simple. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and, and, and Savior, and you would believe that, that God raised Jesus from the dead, that's, it's simplicity. And when you invite him in, I received him and he received me. It's just that simple. And that's how it was. And I confess him with everyone. Every time I get an opportunity to talk about Jesus, I do. When I need forgiveness, you know what? I repent and he forgives me. It's that simple. Because... I love Jesus. When I speak the name of Jesus, I know that something's going on. My greatest memories of life that I have had were made around in God's house. I understand that church is just made up of a group of people. I totally got that. But I have to tell you that there's something very special about the house of God. It's been designed for Christians. 
It really is. The house of God is not designed for sinners, even though we get excited when somebody comes and they don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and we get to lead them to Jesus, but the house of God is for the worshipers. It's for the praisers. It's for those that love God and love the church and understand that God has set it apart. It's been designed for the church of Jesus Christ to go and worship the the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The, the church, there are hundreds of, and th of thousands of local churches in America that and countries around the world, places that are set aside, they represent the pillar of truth that God has placed on the earth. King David, I love what he says here in Psalm 69 and 9, for the zeal of your house, it consumes me. In other words, it eats me up. There's something about it. I can't help myself. I want to go where the presence of God is. I want to go where you are at. I want to sit at the table with you because God's got something so good for us. And he also talked about the joy of going to the house of the Lord. Psalm 122, he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It's God who put the family together. You should love your church. You should love the people that's sitting across from you and on this side of the building. You should love those that are at another church because they're part of the body of Christ. It is Psalm 68, 6. God says to solitary in families. That's why there's different churches. Not every church is for you. Solid Rock is not for everybody. But God puts, if he's called you, you better stay with it. If this is where God puts you. You need to stay there because that's where the blessing of the Lord is upon your life. God says the lonely in families is another translation of that. We live in a day where, and it's always been a day. It's always been like that. But we live in a day where the church is bashed. The church is talked about because in, in the course of human history, there are few institutions that have been more misunderstood and maligned than the Christian church around the world. Christians are being tortured and they ha are being condemned many, many places around the world. But America, maybe not so much, but I'm telling you what, it gets bashed in America because those Christians, they're always talking about those Christians. They're always talking about the hypocrites. They, they you know, people love to, to, to speak against, but it would be foolish to insist that the church is perfect because it is not. Because it's made up of frail humanity like you and me. Unfortunately, the criticism been leveled against the church today is not only coming from those on the outside, but on the inside. Mm. However, those who have a gloom and doom attitude toward the church are certainly overstating the case. And they never really fell in love with the church. They've never really understood that the church of Jesus Christ is not perfect. It's not supposed to be. Because Jesus came for us so that we can be part of the church in our imperfections. The pic picture's not nearly as bad as the enemy would like to paint. The truth is, mankind has always tried to put blame for what they didn't understand somewhere. Therefore, God and his church has took the blunt, however, for many, many years. But I want to read a statement to you. George Bernard Shaw, he was an Irish dramatist, playwright, and literary 
critic who at best was a mystic and at worst an atheist. But he stated what would happen if the church went out of business for a while, coming from an atheist. He proclaimed that it would have a very salutary effect. It would soon evoke an irresponsible desire for the reestablishment of the church. No matter what people say, the world can't live without the church. It cannot survive. It's the greatest thing that ever has happened. Matthew 16, 18 says, And I tell you, God, Jesus was speaking to Peter, said that you are Peter, full of flaws and full of understanding, full of misunderstandings. But he's saying, on this rock, on the revelation of who I am, that's why we have churches, the revelation of who Jesus is. Not who we are, but who he is and what that means to us. On this revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Isn't that awesome? No matter what goes on in the world today, you and I, because the church will never pass away because Jesus is the founder of the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's exciting. The church and its existence as millions of local churches, even in our area. And it makes up something that hell cannot overcome. You are part of something that the enemy can't do away with. Isn't that exciting? My love for the church of Jesus Christ is not blind. People I love have been hurt by church people. Of course they have. And as a church... As a children in church, a child in church, I don't think that we were privileged to have as many programs as we have today. I know that we had Sunday school because everybody went to Sunday school. It was great. It was good for our time. And I remember a few church plays. I remember get-togethers. The programs, they were great that I can remember. Those were things that you look back on. But I really believe with all of my heart that in this day and time, I believe that our teachers and all our student ministry has come up to a new level, even from where we were at that time. And I thank God for that, for the student ministry, from the nursery through the teens here at Solid Rock. My goodness, we are so blessed. But as a child, there was one thing that I remembered. And that's what I want to share with you right now. I remember being in the house of God and his presence was there. What do I remember about the little churches that my daddy pastored? I remembered the presence of God. That's what I remembered. I remember the gifts of the Spirit flowing according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I remember that. What do you remember about church? Bad experiences or the presence of God? We have choice with what we remember. You know, we can bash the church or we can remember the presence of God. I remember... Speaking in tongues at a very young age. I promise I'm going to get to you too in just a minute. I remember giving interpretation of tongues at an early age. I remember one time in particular we had been a Sunday evening service and I was riding with my father to take a family home. And the afterglow of the service was upon us. You asked me how old I was. I don't know how old is a fourth, fifth, or sixth grade, because that's where we were at. The, my dad pastored at Piedmont for three years, so I was in that age group. That's where I was. How old was I? But I remember 
someone in the car began to speak in tongues. The Lord gave me the interpretation of it. I spoke it out. Did I know exactly what I did? Oh, I don't think I did, but I did know the presence of God. I did know that something was happening, that God was using me. And I, I, I believe that God wants to use our students like he's never used them before. I remember as a young girl, I would write down prophetic words. Did I know exactly what it was going on? I don't know, but I'm telling you the house of God is powerful. And God wants to do something in all of us in his house. I remember seeing the working of miracles. I, I remember, and I'm sure my brother Paul can remember at that time. Hi, Paul, if you and heard our listening this morning. I don't know if you can remember these things, but I think you probably could. Daddy would lay his hands upon a baby with a tumor. And I can remember him, him wanting us to come close because he wanted us to see. I remember him him laying hands on, on uh, those babies and those two, he'd lift his hands up and he'd say, do you see that? That tumor's smaller. And, and we would get up and he'd do it again. And I'm telling you that baby would be just as slick. That tumor would be gone. No more problem. I saw it with gorders. I saw it with different things. I saw the miracle working powers of God. I remember prayer meetings that I willingly joined because life was hard even as a child, and I needed and I desired the presence of God. I want our children's church and our youth to ex be exposed to the gifts of the Spirit, not just at camp or not just as at revival, but as part of their growing in the house of God, because I'm telling you, that's what changed my life. That's why I am where I am today, because I felt the presence of God. I experienced the presence of God. And the Word of God says, oh, taste and see that the Lord, He is good. And once you have tasted of His goodness, you want more of it. I told you a while ago that my love for the house of God was not blind. People I love have been hurt by church people. I saw my dad have to listen to deacons who thought that they were called leaders of the church when it was God who had put him in charge over the flock. I heard them criticize when they should have been supporting and building up their pastor. But you know what it did to my dad? It drove him to his knees. I learned as an early child that instead of getting in fight with people, you get on your knees. You let God do what he wants to do. You let him handle the people, and you let God handle you. Amen. One week, sheep can be your best friend. Next week, they can be mad because they didn't think he was doing it right. I remember church secretary holding dad's $50 check a week that he got because they were mad at him or something, or some church member was. I remember Dad Rhodes telling how the church he was pastoring tried to starve him out. Sure, I've been hurt by church people. In fact, I was molested by someone as a child that was in the church. The heartbreaks of my life have come by human frailties, human beings that I love dearly who are and weren't part of the church Part of the bride of Christ. I've been in church in a long time. I understand that some churches have a lot of politics. I know what it's like for a church member to get upset and withdraw their tithes. They're not going to give. The, they don't. They think they're hurting the church, but they don't know they're hurting themselves because their attitude's not right. God's more concerned about our attitude than anything in the natural that we do. And they'll begin to. Give somewhere because they didn't like what we said or what we did. 
unwilling to look past our human frailties. Didn't I read a scripture a while ago that says, it's God that puts the solitary. It's God that draws you to this place. It's God. We're together in the good times. We're together in the bad times. We're together at all times because he's made us family. Yeah, I know what it's like to have supposedly friends not speak to you and go to the other side of the church because they don't like you today. They're mad at you. And you can, you, the perfume is there. You can smell them as they go. My family business, because I've been in pastoral pastor's daughter, been pastors, been in ministry all my life, has been discussed over many a luncheon and dinner table. Many a time our church difficulties have been discussed by others instead of covering and praying for the church family. Hey, we got something to protect and it's time that we understand the gates of hell shall not prevail over the church of Jesus Christ. But I still cannot bash church. I won't bash you. I've refused to run away from God's house or use the hypocrite card. Luke 6, 37, 42 says, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shake it together and run it over. Will be put into your bosom for with the same measure that you used, it will be measured back to you. And I know you thought that was a giving scripture. Well, it is. However you act towards somebody else is going to come right back to you. Goodness is going to come. Uh, press down, shaken together. But that ugly that you're doing and you're refusing to repent over, it's going to come back to you too. I know it's not this congregation or those that's listening by, but you can tell somebody else about it. Let's read on down. He spoke to them in spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall in the dish? Ditch, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite, First, remove that plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. When we see the church of Jesus Christ as it really is, we, won't, we just won't do what, what was going on right there. We're not going to do that. Amen. I know you don't judge. I know you don't talk about us over dinner or lunch. I know you don't do that. I know you pray for us. But that's good scripture for those that you find out don't, right? I told you a while ago, I will not bash nor blame the church because the church is one of God's greatest, greatest things that he ever did. His church house is where I learned to be part of my everyday life and where I keep on finding him in worship. I was glad when they said to me, it's time to go worship because you know what? I love us praise and worship team. They're absolutely amazing. But I love it when you get in and you begin to worship. There's just something about that worship that we all get to do the... Together, every time I step inside of these sto- uh, these doors, I sense that this is no ordinary bu- uh, building. I really do, and I know we could have church anywhere, but that God has given us this place to worship. It's a place set aside for worship. It's the same reverence I felt when I was a little girl, and I would go into those prayer rooms and kneel between some women of God and cry out to Him. Frail humanity flood through these doors every week, just as it did when I was a child. There were a lot of things that went on in church when I look back, but I still love the house of God because the King of Kings shows up with his glory to those that honor and sense his presence in the house. Church is where I discovered that serving feels good. 
I love to serve. I found out the serving is a good thing. It doesn't hurt me a bit. It's good. I would probably do a lot more than I do now if it wasn't for our staff that forbid me to do a lot of things. But I'm telling you what, I love to serve the house of God. As a young girl, my brother and I, and I'm sure, Paul, you could remember this. We helped our parents when there was a project. Did we complain and gripe? I bet you we did. I bet you did. We didn't like it a lot. But I look back and I remember them. We had to help pluck chickens. That was a gross job. <laughs> but they did this every week because the tithe and offerings were enough. If you don't have a pastor that won't give it all, then I'm telling you, watch, you just have a hireling. That's it. But when you have a God-called pastor, he'll give it all his houses. He'll do whatever he can to keep the doors of the house of God open. That is the truth. And my daddy felt like that. And my mom felt like that. And a couple other people that worked weekly. And my daddy would take those dinners and he would de deliver them to the factories to make sure there was a house of worship for others to come on Wednesday and Sundays to worship. I never changed my mind ever, ever about giving all and doing all and making sure that others have a house of worship to come to. I still feel the same way today. Pastor Daryl's daddy and my daddy, our parents, they didn't die with riches. In fact, they were probably among the others, the heroes listed, the heroes of faith listed in Hebrews 11. Insignificant, but with a zeal of God for the house. And I want real quickly these two young people over here, if they will, I want them to come. And on your way up here, all I want you to do is tell this church why you love the house of God. Now, this is not pre-planned. And, and so they are just coming to tell you why they enjoy the house of God. Because I want to hear from some young ones today. In fact, I had a teenager, but they didn't make it. So, okay, here you go. Bryson, will you tell these people why you love the house of God? Bryson, thank you. A lot of things to love about the house of God, isn't there, sweetheart? You want to wait for your sister? Okay, let's see what she has to say. Okay, so the reason I love the house of God, there's multiple reasons, too many to say. Um, uh, it's our pastors here, Darlene and Pastor Rose. I love them. They are preaching every Sunday and all that. And I love Miss Sarah and our other children's pastors up there. And they make the church what church should be. And I love everybody who does the stuff behind the scenes and all that. And everybody who even shows up to come to church. Amen. Thank you so much. You can give that to me. And I know there's more that could tell you why they love the house of God. But I'm telling you what, these young ones, when they get a love for the house of God when they're young, may it never change. Amen.
The house of God is where I found out that a pastor's wife needs to have really thick skin. I learned that. That was good for me to learn. It was painful while I was learning it, but I learned it. Churches where I've met real people who love God are trying their best to change from glory to glory. We are not perfected. We just keep being changed into the image of Christ. I found out in the house of God where compassion and strength from you, from others, when I face discouragement, when I face uh, confusion in my life, because of others, I've always cared enough to not give up, to not give in. You have challenged me. You have driven me. And you have held me accountable because, see, if I quit, I could have been a stumbling block to you. So thank you for making me know that I have to keep pushing on towards the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ, just like we all have to. When I was broken, you gave me reason to always care to not fail and not give up. That's what you do for me. That's what you do for pastor. You push us. You push us to keep on until Jesus, until God says, okay, it's time. Now sit stand aside because I got somebody else I'm going to put here. But you're what keeps us and moves us doing what God wants us to do. Because see, running from church is selfish. Selfishness does not look a lot like Jesus at all. That's why church is not all about me. It's what you said while ago. It's about all of us. It's who we are in Christ. In the house of God, I get to worship every Sunday morning with a variety of people. When we go overseas, I still love the house of God because we get to worship with a variety of people in other nations. Oh, it's exciting. But here in this house, we get to worship with the elderly, not pastor and I, but some of the others, the young and the newly saved and the longtime believer all sit side by side. It's beautiful. It's treasured by God. Because in God's house, I am challenged to live out my faith consistently, consistently, to live it out. It's in God's house I'm confronted with the truth of his word. Yeah, I know that we are pastors, but I have to preach the truth. He has to preach the truth, and sometimes it nails us. It's inside the house of God. And I hope other people are listening this from other churches. You need to fall in love with your pastor and your church. You need to fall in love with the house of God. For the fellowship that we get that we can't get anywhere else. It's an atmosphere of encouragement, support. People reach out to one another. And one another, help one another, do business with one another, come to the aid of one another, cry together with each other, laugh with each other. I love the way that we love in this house. I love the way. When pastors and preachers come to this house, I'm telling you, there is something that they sense, and they will tell us over and over for weeks to come how much they love the way you love us. And the way we love you, they're like, it's beautiful. And it's not been one time. It has been so many times. We have had it over and over through the years. We have had those that come that we thought they had the greatest churches that we knew about. And they would come and say, oh, we wish we had a staff like yours that, that loved you so much and that worked together so well. We are blessed in this house, and that's why I'm preaching this today. Do not let the devil use you to, to make anything stumble in this house. 
Hallelujah. Because if you've never experienced the love for one another, you've not been in a genuine church. I love the congregation of God's house. When we talk about you, we talk about you with passion because I tell you what, we love you with the passion of God in our house, in our hearts. The church, the house of God is where I experience his presence. I expect it. Whether I'm praying by myself or whether you're here, whether we're many or we're few, I expect to enjoy the presence of God. I love the Christ of the church. It's in his house that I experience the warmth of his embrace, the warmth of his love, his mercy, and his energizing strength. He bought who we are. He bought the church with his own blood. The Bible said, God, Christ, so loved the church that he gave himself for it. Wow, isn't that something? That's in Ephesians 5.25. He loved the church so much. He loved you so much that he gave his life for you. And I understand that you are the church and you're going to go out from this service. You're going to go out into the world, wherever you go, and you're going to let Jesus pour from you because that's what you're supposed to do. That's exactly. But you should be more excited to go out because you were together today. You get to come together on Sundays and Wednesdays and anytime that we get to come, you ought to be more excited to go out because you were in the house of God. You were experienced in his presence. And today you got to look around. We were singing the evidence of the goodness of God. And you could look across and you could see Tammy. Oh, the evidence of the goodness of God. You could look back and you could see Susan. Oh, the evidence of the goodness of God. You could look back this way. Brother Sue, we could see the evidence of the goodness of God in your life. And we could continue. Larry, oh, I can see the goodness of God in your life. And I can see the goodness of God sitting back here on this side from the front to the back. Rob, the goodness of God has been in your and Tracy's life. We can see the evidence all around us of the goodness of God. Praise God. I believe that we should hate, loathe the things that Jesus loathed. And we should love the things that Jesus loved and he loves his church. Amen. The, the church originated in Christ. And it was a handful of believers that had been on their knees in prayer, empowered by the Holy Spirit to change the world. And when they came out of the upper room with a conquering faith and an unshakable, unmoving zeal for God, and to face a world that had previously intimidated them into paralyzing fear, they were so changed by the miracle of Pentecost that they launched out on a grand, a, a grand adventure that resulted in churches being built and made and planned throughout the whole world. Thank God for those that were in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And God did such a work in them. That's what God wants to do in all of our lives. He wants to so touch us in his presence that we can take the miracle of the Lord Jesus Christ wherever we're going. It's in his house that I learned to play the piano. In his house where I learned to sing. It was in his house where I learned to pray. It was in his house where I learned to preach. But it was in his house where I learned to be nice. 
that you deserve me to be kind to you, that you deserve me to be thoughtful of you. And sometimes I have to really work on that, not that because sometimes I get, I, I, I can think I, I have a little bit of ADHD, adult. I don't know. I probably had it all my life. I just didn't know it. But I can think about something up there, and I may stop 10 spots on the way to get up there, and then I don't remember why I went up there. But I try to stay focused. You know, I said I've got this little game that I do in my life as I get older. If I've got five stops or 10 stops to make during the day, in my mind, I draw out a map. First, I'm going to the post office. After the post office, I'm going to the bank. Then after the bank, I am going to, to Walgreens. Oh, wait a minute. I was supposed to pick up something out of the cleaner's backup. That was number three. That's how, I do it. That's how I do it now. And you do what you do, but sometimes we get a little sidetracked. And I'm not trying to make excuses. But I'm telling you what, I learned to be nice and kind to other people in the house of God. And so should, so should you. Because I learned the fruit of the Spirit didn't include hatefulness and meanness. Isn't that something? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness. Help me out here. Faithfulness. Three more. Self-control. Come on. Think hard here. Two more. Yes, gentleness. We got two more here. Help us out, Pastor. Did you go blank? That's only seven. Okay, come here. Come on. Get up here, girl. We need some more. We need some more help preaching up here today. Why do you love the house of God? Why do you love church? Um, because it gives me time with my family and like people who, like my church family. And it gives me the opportunity to be closer to God and speak to him and stuff like that. Amen. Okay, tell us. Oh, tell us the fruit of the Spirit now. So everybody love. will know how they're supposed to act, not only in church, but when you go out these doors, and I don't think meanness and selfishness is in it, right? No meanness, no, no selfishness? Okay, tell us what it is. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's all of them. Thank you. Amen. So there was no hatefulness in that list. There was no, I think I'm more important than somebody else in that list. It's a good, I'm telling you, we learn these things in church. Aren't you thankful for the church of Jesus Christ? I pray that here that everyone, after you hear this message, you so fall in love with your church, with a brother and the sister that's sitting in front of you, back across from you, those that aren't here today, those that are soon to come, and the people of the Lord Jesus Christ in the other churches. I don't want you talking about the church bad down the road. I don't, Pastor and I will not listen to you bashing another pastor and another church. We won't do it. We won't do it. So if you're planning on doing that, just don't do it, okay? Every local church has been challenged with Mark 16, 15, which is the responsibility of evangelizing the world for Jesus Christ. No institution, no entity, 
And no organization has a higher or noble, nobler commission. We are to preach the Lord of Jesus Christ to every person we come across in, in our daily lives. Because, And I want to tell you something. You preach to them with your actions. You preach to them with your deeds that are Christ-like. They're watching you. Don't paint everybody with the same brush. That judging thing is killing more people than anything else. Just because there's a bad cop don't mean everybody's a bad cop. And I'm going to leave it with that. You take it from there. You put anybody else that you want to. Doesn't mean that they're all. Quit looking through those narrow, narrow things that will keep you from what God has for you, no matter what age or stage of life you're in. Don't put everybody in the same box. God is bigger than that. The Christ that you serve is bigger than that. There are Christians in every walk of life that is begging for somebody not to paint them like everybody else. Church, don't be guilty of it. What are you going to testify to the bitter one who's allowed the oldest excuse of deception keep them out of church? Are you going to tell them how stupid they are for missing church? Or are you going to tell them about the love that you have for the house of God? Are they going to see that you're consumed? There's a zeal. Tell them what he's done for you because you've honored his presence. Tell him his presence is strong when a group of people get together. Imperfect people at that. Isn't that something that he would show up in this crowd? All of us so imperfect. And yet he comes and he honors us with his presence. I wish I had taken time maybe to have had more of our young people up, but thank you for all of those young ones that got up. I remember when Max was just a little bitty boy, and I can't tell you exactly how old it was, and Max, you just happened to be here today, but I remember when you were really, really little, six, eight months old, up until he was in school, we could get on the, we could turn the corner and Max would get so excited about coming to Solid Rock. He wanted to hang out in the building. He just loved it. And I, and I watched, uh, used to, I'd pick him up when he was in kindergarten, first, second, third grade. He still wanted to come to the house of God. He wanted to come here. This was such a haven. You know why? There is a presence in this house. There's something about it because you pray and because you praise and you worship. There's something that's going on. And I watched uh, Nick and Sarah's babies grow up in this house. I've watched others grow up. And it's just amazing to see our young ones love the house of the Lord. I remember our daughter Alicia was here uh, a few one time and her kids were here. And she began to telling them, I always love being around here. I, I love it when I walk in here. That was in my notes from 12, in 2012, hun. But she did, she, I remember, and I re, instantly remember that incident. She said, I loved it when, always loved it when I walked in here. What is it that causes our kids to love the house of God? 
Because, see, it's a lie, an excuse to keep people from being taught the word of God and miss the corporate anointing that happens in his house. You belong to the greatest creation institution of all time. Oh, if everyone would embrace that, that we know that we are frail human beings in every walk of life. It is frail humanity. Don't let the devil keep you from experiencing him in his house because of the Hypocrite syndrome. Have you ever heard of that one? Because there are hypocrites everywhere. They're at your work. They're in the government. They're in the White House. Did I say that? Hollywood. (laughs) Doctor's office. Walmart. The list is long. Where do you work? I'm sure there's a few of those there. But the Word of God says you aren't supposed to judge. So therefore, if they're there, you're praying for them. You're not judging them. We need to change it. Church, we need to change it. There is love in this house, and we cannot take that for granted. But we need to make sure that we aren't painting people because of what they work or they're part of as if they are the devil himself. Stop it. There was a song a long time ago that we put to a missions. I'm getting ready to to wind this down. Uh, Praise and worship team, you can come on up. There was a song long ago, that, and we put it on one of our videos. Lord, give me compassion for the lost. Give me compassion when I see meanness in people. Instead of judging them, let me pray for them. Because somewhere they've lost their way and they're hardened. Let the church of God be filled with people who won't quit but keep on until we get it better. Amen. Do you know we can be better than we are right now? And I will tell you that God is proud of you, that Jesus is excited about you, solid rock, and that your pastors are so proud of you and we love you dearly, but we all have room for an improvement. We have a room for, because there are people that have used the lie and excuse that They've been hurt, so they don't want to go back in case they're hurt. Because if somebody finds out how I really am, they're not going to like me. If I make a mistake or if I do something, then they're going to judge me. But let's don't be those people. When God's people get together, incredible things are accomplished for the good of mankind. Isn't that something? We're together to be- We're better together. We could do so much more. Who would have ever believed that Solid Rock could touch so many pastors and leaders around the world in leadership conferences that we have been going to since 89, reaching around the world. All the women around the world that God has opened doors. And there are women that are standing in pulpits today because they saw Pastor Daryl be so confident in whom himself he wasn't jealous that his wife had an anointing. He encouraged it. Now there's other pastors in nations where women never had, they sat on one side, the men on the other had nothing to say. Now they're being used by God. Can you believe that God would use out of Farmington not, we're not in pride. We're just, I stand back. I'm like, God, I know me. I know my own human failure. I was so embarrassed for years to tell anybody that I didn't finish high school. I was so embarrassed to tell them I hadn't been to seminar. I was so embarrassed to tell them 
all of my failures. I was so embarrassed. Because if you found out, you wouldn't love me and respect me. But then one day God said, darling, get over yourself. I've anointed you. And there's some with stories worse than yours. But if you'll tell yours, I will use it as a door opener for many young women and older women and husbands and men alike. I will teach them that Humpty Dumpty can be put back together again. I will show them there's a miracle of the breaking. That Jesus can take the brokenness of our life and he can feed thousands. Oh my goodness. Out of Farmington, you, Solid Rock, are an amazing church. You are amazing. And we wonder, how could we do it? And God says, well, if it was within your means to do it, then you would have done it. But when it isn't within your means, not even necessarily can we see it in this congregation, but yet God just keeps using you. Think of all the needs that have been supplied, all the hurts that have been healed, all the homes that have been blessed. How the lonely and otherwise familyless People with no families, no brothers, no sisters. But they come to the house of the Lord and they have someone that cares about them. There's a father and a mother that God has placed in this church to welcome children back. And the brothers and sisters are all out there and they're so glad you're home. I love the celebrations of the church. I've seen the camaraderie that comes with winning a football game out in the world. We see that. The excitement that comes. But I'm telling you what. There is something that's so exciting that happens. Nothing compares to the worship service when the Spirit of God is moving and someone gets touched by the power of God. Somebody gets touched. Somebody gets healed. Heaven comes down and glory begins to fill our soul. Now that is a celebration. The church will outlive and outlast every other organization on this earth even though a generation has left his house we have a mandate every one of us to tell our children and grandchildren how faithful he is about the place he has set for them to worship God promised that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church one of these days he's going to receive the church into himself but until then There will be a place of worship. Stand to your feet this morning. We get to get together. Isn't that awesome? You know, Jesus went from house to house, ministered to people, but we also know that Jesus went to the temple on a regular basis. Jesus did that. Why did he do that? It's our example. Jesus went as an example. Luke 4, 16 says he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As his custom was. Take your kids to church. Why would you not take your kids to church and do what God told you to do? He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. When Jesus went away, his disciples still went to church. His disciples are still going to church today. Amen. We're all still still going. But the word of God says after Jesus went to sit down at the right hand of his father. In Acts 3.1, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer. At 3 in the afternoon. I'm going to say something right here. I'm calling on prayer warriors. I know it's not easy. 
but we have prayer on Tuesday at noon. If you can get away at all, come and pray. You can't get what you need without humbling yourself. And this church needs prayer warriors. We need you. Come on now. I pray from this service on that you hold the church in a higher esteem than you ever have. Let's teach others around us by our examples. Teach our children. It's where the spirit of the great I am shows up. Do you know why they enjoyed revival so much, the kids that come? Because the great I am, his presence was so strong. And I believe if we all keep praying, it's going to be so strong every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night. Because we want to empower our kids to grow up and be everything that God wants them to be. It's Sunday or it's Wednesday. You show them. You teach them. I can't wait to be in his house. Teach your children to love and appreciate his house. Be a giver. Be a helper. Be a prayer warrior. An advocate for his house. Teach them to never resent one moment. If they resent it, parents, you're the blame. Teach them not to resent the house of the Lord. You do that. How do I do that? I can't control that. You do that by not griping <laughs> about giving or helping. Oh, we got to go over to church again. They need something again. We're going to have to go help clean this week. Oh, they're, they're constantly having something going on. What are you planting into your child when you say that? Or it's like, we get to go tonight. See, tonight, CR. We're going. We're helping. We're doing. Wednesday night, we get to go to the house of the Lord. I know you can go to a lot of things, and you can be mad at me if you want to, but get over it really quick, okay? Get over it really, really quick, because it'll help you. But it's an honor to keep his house. Be a gatekeeper. Be a floor polisher. Be something in the house of God. Take ownership. It'll make you excited. It's the greatest thing going, I'm telling you. Because we have a message that will never grow old, become outdated. We worship the living God. Our young ones are begging us to be real. They're begging you parents to be real, to talk realness to them, not judgment, realness. Unlike the one that we worship, he is perfect, we are not. But in him we're made perfect through the blood of Jesus Christ. Last scripture, let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Think about how can we encourage each other? You don't know, and I'm not saying this so we'll get a whole bunch of texts, but it means a lot when you text us. That's awesome. Thank you. Or write a card or whatever. No, pastor does not text back. I'm sorry. I apologize for him all the time. If you text me, text me, I'll text you back. Yeah, I know. It's a vote in the house. I believe he's going to do better. We're made perfect. Through... <laughs> he's not going to lie. Through the blood of Jesus covering us. We, you know, I, I'm not going to go there because I could tell you lots. Next time, I'll just be honest about that, all that. Okay. Uh, let us not consider how to spur one another along with good deeds and not giving up meeting together. We all need each other. We do. There's so many reasons why we can't, but let's look for more why we can. Let's do more of it. Ministering to each other. 
as the some are in the habit of doing, some are not meeting together. But let's encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. And you know, there's people sometimes they don't feel like coming to the house of the God. Encourage them. Some of them are having rough times right now. Encourage them in the Lord. Well, praise God. Don't you just love the house of God? And they all said, okay, one more time. Don't you just love the house of the Lord? Amen. (laughs) Because we love the Lord of the house. He's so good to us. If you're in this house today, and you just need something from God, you're believing God to just do such a work in your life. I'm going to ask you to, as our worship team begins to worship God and sing unto the Lord. If you're in this house today and you're just saying, God, I just need you. I need you to do something in my life today. I need something. I'm gonna, It doesn't matter what you need today. Because see, in the house of the Lord, there's everything that you need. Because in him is everything we need. And whatever you're needing from him today, I want you just to come forward. Whatever you're needing from the Lord, whatever that may be, we're just going to give you that opportunity to just come forward and say, God, I need you today. And maybe you're watching today online, and I don't know what it is that God is speaking to your heart about. I don't know what it is that you need for him. But you know what? He has generously given everything that we have need of, generously to you and for you. So right now, we pray and believe in the name of Jesus that God is touching you as you watch online, that God is ministering to you that he is totally undoing the work of the enemy in your life. And we pray that God would use you to touch others as you go about your everyday life and that you would worship him and praise him with everything that you have in you. Thank you for joining us today at At the Table with Darlene. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at darlenesolidrock.com at gmail.com let us know any topics you would like to hear from at the table you can also check us out at darlenerodes.org also at wawministries.org thanks again for joining us at at the table with darlene